History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Well, good evening. Welcome to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. It is, is it Wednesday? What day? Yeah, it's hump day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hump day. And not a moment too soon. Yes, not a moment too soon as we roll into uh, uh, the rest of this week. Get over the hump day. Get over. Try to get over what happened with the recall last night. We've got a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to be giving you uh, an autopsy of a recall. Going to give you my takeaways from from the recall. Um, but we've also got to shift gears back to D.C. because the shocking news that has come out actually it came out yesterday, but we focused on the recall last night that we literally had a military coup attempt a true insurrection happened in, in the final months of the Trump administration is absolutely astounding. Even more astounding is that that man is, is still in his position. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Jesse Jane Duff, uh, Gunny Sergeant Jesse Jane Duff, will be here tonight uh, to give her perspective on that. Uh, those topics and more. I'm glad to have you guys here with me. Thanks to everybody who tuned in last night for the marathon coverage of the recall. I'm not going to update on the numbers because it really doesn't matter. And I will share that as part of my autopsy. 888-344-1170 if you want to weigh in on on the show, any of the topics. We're also going to be talking about the revelations today that came out about the FBI, how they aided and actually covered up for a pedophile. We've got to talk about that. Um, so much to get into tonight, but we will make time for your calls. If there's anything that you want to share with us here, 888-344-1170. We are streaming live right now on my Andrea K on Facebook. Usually I'm at the Answer San Diego, um, but I brought in the wrong device tonight for that. So <laughs> feel free to share. Um my uh the streaming live on the answer uh, that's actually on Andrea K right now. Um Got to bring in my partner here. My He was a part of a trio last night. Thank you, Ed Martin, for joining us last night. And uh, thank you, DJ Potato Skins. Yeah, very special thank you to Ed Martin. I really feel like sometimes, Andrea, the three of us are the only ones shouting from the mountaintop. And so I want to share right now just 15 seconds what I text you earlier today because I believe it in my heart. I really don't think this country is going to make it to the midterm elections. Well, I don't know what you mean by not, by not make it. I'm um, clarifying quickly uh, before. I mean, we we're already at the doorstep of communism, and I think uh, come the midterm elections, I think we'll already be there. Well, we are already there in a variety of different ways. There's just Americans are either on board with it or don't understand it or have actually bought into the notion um, that they've bought into the fallacy of it, that, you know, communism is a great idea. It's just never been properly implemented. Uh, in terms of the recall, um, one of the things I want to say in terms of the fallout is that I was, I was, I was sick last night at 801 with all these so-called experts. Every dentist, every gynecologist, every manicurist with a podcast was acting at, out of Iowa and Michigan and, and the rest of the country acting like they were experts on California and weighing in. And, of course, it was all to bash Larry Elder and put the blame on him uh, that the recall that, the yes, first of all, it was supposed to, you, you don't get to the replacement of Gavin Newsom. Let me remind you so-called experts out there like Jenna Ellis Larry and Elder others. did not fail. Well, not only that, but, the, but how many actually doing that actually had, thought that it was some kind of runoff between Larry Elder and Gavin Newsom? Let me remind you, first it had to be yes on the recall before anybody – got to replace him. 
and that were so here's my takeaways. I like how you, what you said about the runoff because that's exactly how these people were spinning it. Well, yeah. Well, this the spin has been bad on a lot of different ways. Um, uh, first of all, here's my takeaways. The status quo was basically in effect last night. Status quo was nothing new here. The status quo um, of, and I appreciate Tom DeBacaro so much. I get his passion in terms of um, you've got to get out and vote. Staying home doesn't solve the problem. Um, and thanks, but, Tom, for spearheading the movement. Right. But, uh, staying home doesn't solve the problem, um, but ignoring election fraud doesn't solve the problem either. And the Republican Party continues to beat on the, the voter, beat on the voter, beat on the voter, as though the entire burden of successful campaigns in California and across this nation rely on turnout of the voters while the Republican Party does nothing to address the election fraud that's occurred. So the status quo today is we know election fraud happened. We know there was, quote, shenanigans. We just don't know whether or not it affected the outcome. And nobody, so nobody's going to bother. So we still have the status quo uh, in effect regarding election fraud. Um, also part of the status quo. And, and before I move on from that, um, we do need turnout, right? Let's say that election fraud didn't exist in this election and beyond. What was, what, what, what why is there a problem with turnout for Republicans? Possibly because, and I blame the Republican Party for uh, a lot of this problem here, is that the Democrat Party has successfully, because of no pushback from the Republican Party, changed the culture. Of this country. There's a poll out today that 60% of voters are on board with the mandates. How many Republicans that were like, cool, 14 days to flatten the curve? Oh, yeah, put that mask on. The, the quicker you comply, the quicker we'll get our freedoms back. There was actually Republicans and conservatives on board with that. One of the most disgusting displays that I heard today came from Kevin Faulkner bashing Larry Elder. Kevin Faulkner, who couldn't get a, a, a fraction of the vote here in San Diego County, because those of us who lived here with him as mayor know the truth about this man. Who who piled on Larry Elder with the garbage involving an ex-girlfriend? It was Kevin Faulkner. Who wasted $40 million of taxpayers' money to, to house 900 people, 900 homeless at the convention center, and they're now back out on the street? Every time the Republicans, so much of the damage that's been done in California has been done by the Republican Party. And I've got lots of friends that that are are very active in the Republican Party that are probably mad at me for hearing me say that right now. But I've got to be honest. If I'm going to do an autopsy, I've got to accurately tell you what I've seen in the decay in the organs and what's caused the demise here. And I'm not going to give a pass to the Republican Party every time. That an election is lost, the Republican Party consultancy class says, well, it's because the Republican Party didn't go left enough. And that's why now the center of this country is socialist and the left of this country is full on communist. Because every time we lost, instead of embracing a true conservative message, it's, well, we just, we just didn't offer enough. We didn't go Democrat light enough. You know, Trump came out the other day and said, well, you know, we can't trust mail-in voting. Of course. Hello. Right. Yeah. And you know what? His administration did nothing and his DOJ did nothing to stop it. But yeah, the Republican Party is is a huge part to blame for the the fact that Democrat voters were far more motivated to get out yesterday out of their irrational hate for Republicans. They're so they're 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 far more active than we are motivated by hate that they would actually call a black man a white supremacist. So the, so the Republican Party has contributed to the cultural demise of California and the rest of this nation. 
And the Republican Party continues to, they, the consultancy class, what I was saying was that they, they continue to push every time there's a loss, we got to move to the left. Larry Elder immediately rose to the top of the pack. Why? Because he had a conservative message and conservative answers. And he so didn't why, stray from it. Right. And so why would the Republican Party be bashing him today? Because they don't want to support true conservatives? Because they want to continue a one-party rule? That's the only explanation I can come up with. Um, too many Republicans are also lazy. And that's a part of the cultural shift. They're, they're, they're not willing to be uncomfortable. They're willing to put that mask on because it's easier. So that's that's a huge problem for us, and it can't be ignored, and I'm not going to ignore it. You know, and Ed Martin said last night, and it's to the point, we need to primary every single one of those establishment Republicans that's already in office. But we don't have enough. But if, if we've got a problem with the Republicans being lazy, that's not going to happen. We've got a problem with, with, with the cultural shift in this country. How do we fix it, Andrew? Well, I, that's what we've got to figure out. Because let me tell you, when you've got – when you're faced with Democrats – that are so consumed with irrational, emotional hatred for Republicans, they are willing to keep somebody in office who is destroying them with with criminals in this across the state, who's destroying the economy, increasing, who literally invited, hey, rest of the country, if you're homeless, see if somebody will buy you a bus ticket and bring you here. And you're right. It's not even, hey, I disagree with your viewpoint. They hate us. They hate us. Um, let me tell you a little a little bedtime story before we take a break that should really bring into focus the problem we've got. Because let me tell you, I don't want to hear anybody spend today about the good news inside of last night's loss. There was no good news into last night. I don't care if the numbers end up making it be instead of 70-30, it's now going to be 60-40. I don't care about that. We lost. And we are about to we are about to have him power drunk. Crackdown. We've already seen it in L.A. Let me tell you who the Democrats made sure stayed in office last night, as well as a complicit Republican Party. Uh, Michael Morganti was beaten, stabbed, forced to dig his own grave and was buried alive in 1980. He suffocated on the dirt that he was forced to dig while bleeding from his wounds. His murderer was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. This week, California's governor turned his killer loose. The coroner who examined Michael's body found dirt from his grave in his lungs, showing he was still alive when he was buried. Every governor, both Democrat and Republican, since 1980 has stopped parole for his killer until now. Gavin Newsom put that murderer back on our streets and put Michael's family through the hell again. That's who the Democrat Party fought hard to keep in office yesterday with the complicity of the Republican Party. And that, and you think about this, when Kevin Faulkner is bashing all day, every day, and Republicans, and the Never Rhinos, and people like Jenna Ellis, and even people like Kira Davis up in L.A., Michael Reagan and beyond, who were criticizing Larry Elder all day today and saying nothing about this monster who is staying in office. Shame on this state of California and shame on anybody like Carl DeMaio there. I said it trying to put a spin on last night's loss. The fact that this governor is still in office is an indictment of the entire state of California, including Republicans. Speaking of an indictment, the fact that we had a coup attempt, a military coup and insurrection happening in the Trump administration and the chairman of the Joint Chief of Chief of Staff is still in his position and has not been dragged out and already under a court martial is astounding to me. I, you know, I, I guess if you thought you were going to tune in tonight and I was somehow going to bring you some good news, I'm sorry, I can't. I got to serve you red meat tonight. I got to serve you red meat. And then we got to figure out what we do. How do we move forward? How what do we, what move do we do? Forward? But you cannot, you cannot solve a problem if you can't accurately identify it. 
And today, everybody's saying Larry Elder's the problem are insane. And I'm hearing that as much from Republicans as I am from Democrats. He's the solution. He was. And and had and had he not been up against a mainstream media that was pushing Gavin or Newsom and a hundred million dollars that was running ads by the Democrats when no Republicans wrote the Republican Party didn't even endorse Larry Elder or run any ads for him says everything you need to know. And what were we told? It's going to take weeks to count the votes. Well, that was quick. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to bring in Jesse Jane Duff to talk about shift gears from California to uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. Stay tuned. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Facebook at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. And connect with her on OurFreeNation.org. Andrea Kay, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Um, in case you haven't heard the news, because there's just so much happening across the country uh, today from the California recall and beyond, there was breaking, shocking news coming out of the White House yesterday. Uh, we've known that uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, Mark Milley, is um, not exactly a General Patton, right? Mr. Um, I was ashamed that I walked across the street to a church where a president held up a Bible. And yes, I hate my whiteness and I push CRT in the military. Um, that That's just the beginning of the problems with this man. We found out yesterday that he actually placed multiple phone calls to his counterpart in communist China. And I'm going to read a couple of excerpts uh, from these phone calls, and then I'm going to bring in military hero Jesse Jane Duff to get her response. And by the way, the Pentagon has said that they were not going to release the transcripts, but they did acknowledge that these conversations took place. General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay. We are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. General Lee, you and I have known each other for now for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. He placed another phone call uh, that in uh, January 8th and said, uh, things may look unsteady, but that's the nature of democracy, General Lee. We are 100% steady. Everything's fine, but democracy can be sloppy sometimes. And... Um, then also later that day, he had a conversation with Nancy Pelosi in which uh, Pelosi reportedly said, this is according to the New York Times, this is bad, but you know, who knows what he might do, right? Uh, in other words, yeah, this is bad that you, you place these phone calls, but otherwise, what would we do? So Pelosi was in on this, Speaker of the House, right? He's crazy. You know he's crazy. Uh, Madam Speaker, Millie says, I agree with you on everything. Um, Jesse Jane Duff I'm not a military expert. You spent 20 years in the military. This looks to me as though this is a military coup. This is the man who's accused uh, Trump supporters of an insurrection. Is this not an insurrection? Is this not a military coup where he not only went around the, his com- the, com- uh, the uh, commander in chief, but actually contacted a communist country and said, I'm with you and I'm going to give you a tip off if we strike? I, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, I feel like I'm reading a science fiction novel by George Orwell. 
uh, called 2020 because the outcome of this election has been just detrimental to all things that I had thought were normal and good and honorable, such as our military. It has now become apparent to me that all of us that thought we were doing something noble to serve this country were often uh, became puppets of those that were in charge. Here we have now uh, General Milley, the top, the very top of this food chain. You can't get higher than him in the military, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. We've all had our issues with the withdrawal of Afghanistan. We've had our issues with how he apologized for walking with Trump, looking like a bag, a dumpity dump bag of rags in his camouflage uniform that looked like it came out of a sea bag, for goodness sake, mm-hmm. while he's working in the White House, couldn't even wear the appropriate uniform, but apologized for walking with President Trump when they went through the when they went through Lafayette Square. He should have been fired at that moment. Yes. He should have resigned when he couldn't support his commander-in-chief. There are enlisted Marines and soldiers, airmen and sailors, but primarily the soldiers and Marines that fought in Afghanistan and in Iraq who have been actually convicted of uh, not necessarily treating the enemy so well. Potentially, one friend of mine was charged with murder after shooting an ISIS fighter who had actually grabbed his own weapon, and it was because of Donald Trump that he was able to get released out of Fort Leonard Wood. This is just tragic on so many levels that we now have the top general colluding with the enemy. I'm blown away by this. Yes, it must get verified. But what I did see today that came out of the Pentagon, that the spokesperson for General Malley did not deny it. They actually tried to justify conversations with foreign military, tried to justify what his role was. Everyone knows that he was in apparently giving direction to all that you do not do what the commander in chief tells you. You run it by me first. What? Is this guy Gaddafi? Remember Gaddafi running yeah. around in his military uniform? Is this what we've come to? I'm that's stunned. a military coup. How we, and and, it and, and it's that's a military coup. You know, the left is always guilty of what they accuse the others of being. So here, here, Millie and others and the FBI and the DOJ have been accusing anybody in a MAGA hat on January 6th near the Capitol of being a terrorist and insurrectionist when they are really the insurrectionists. This is a military coup. He literally said to people in the room, and this has not been denied, you come to me first. He assumed power of the yep. United States of America over the commander in chief. And not only should he be dragged out right now and court martialed, but so should everybody in the room that didn't squeal like a pig under a gate at the moment in which he did it. I agree with you 100 percent. This isn't the first time. What the heck happened with Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, who did not use his chain of command? testimony, sworn testimony in front of Congress by those that were in his chain of command said he did not use his chain of command and he stuffed himself into his dress uniform Mm -hmm. looking like the Michelin man that was a good 45 pounds overweight, squeezing himself into there like he was some honorable soldier, breaking his entire chain of command to testify against his own commander in chief. That is not how we do things. The Uniform Code of Military Justice is very, very clear. You do not understand 
undermine your leadership. You have a chain of command. You have even a right to what is called request math in the Marine Corps and other branches of service where you can go up your chain of command, which is, would be equivalent to a whistleblower program. Mm-hmm. If Miley was so concerned about Donald Trump, he shouldn't have been canoodling with Nancy Pelosi, who was enabling him yes. and igniting him. Nancy Pelosi knows better. I guess maybe that Pinot Noir has finally degraded her brain to a point where she is actually colluding to destroy the very country professes to want to represent. But here Miley could have gone to the vice president and said, I'm concerned about the mental health of President Trump. That would have been different. He could have resigned. And then but here's the thing. But here's- here he is. What, what, but, but JJD, I mean, if he, he's so concerned about Trump, who had, who showed it? No, I, I, let flashback to 2015. We can't have Trump in office. He's going to put us into a nuclear war. He's the first president in 40 years that put, didn't put us into war. It's completely irrational. What about, what a bag, bag of crap that he was so concerned about Trump launching some irrational strike. Meanwhile, uh, the, you know, POTUS decrepit who can't even get through a sentence, it, you know, who, who has, yeah. who has now created intentionally the, the chaos in Afghanistan so that they could justify bringing a hundred thousand unvetted Afghanis here that he's okay with. This is absolutely insane. And, and the, and the most hard. It is not just Miley. We've right. got a secretary of defense who is a eunuch. He has actually been a yes man under Barack Obama. All you have to do is Google Lloyd Austin. ISIS, JV team. Those words came from Lloyd Austin when he was the general and he plugged that over to Obama and Obama gleefully repeated it and to his own detriment because that's when ISIS rose and became a surge. The testimony that Lloyd Austin had to give in front of John McCain, who I have not always been a fan of, was actually spot on. He mm-hmm. called out Lloyd Austin for his yes. incompetence as a general in the Middle East and his incapability of being able to deter an enemy. It was ridiculous. And this man became the Secretary of Defense. So now you have you have Cheech and Chong up there running the mm-hmm. Defense Department. Miley and Lloyd Austin, who are basically enablers of the incompetence of this Commander-in-Chief. He's not going to fire Miley because he's a yes man. He's not going to fire Lloyd Austin because he lets him play toy soldiers. Soldiers. This is what the military has done. And now we're seeing resignations. Finally, we're seeing resignations of those officers that are saying, I can't do this anymore. And it's tragic because they're resigning before they even hit their 20 years and sacrificing their That's own right. retirement. Yeah, um, I don't think it's a coincidence either that it was China that he picked up the phone to call because, you know, this is the Democrat Party um, are obviously we know that the deals brewing with Biden and what and what happened with his kid. It's not a coincidence that that was the country uh, that he was concerned with uh, colluding with. Um, what would have happened with you or any of uh, the um, it boots on the ground had they said, to, hey, Taliban, if we decide we're going to drop a uh, do a do a drone strike in your neighborhood? Uh, where you're at. I'm going to give you a heads up. Well, well, you know, right. It, you know, it goes without question. There are enlisted in the brig for lesser crimes. We had an enlisted man who took a photo, as I recall, it was of a Navy submarine interior, but it was actually an older model and he had posted it. He went to Leavenworth for, for a year. That. 
Yeah. This is ridiculous. You have enlisted that have actually not necessarily been honest with their chain of command and have been relieved of duty and unable to reenlist and have lost their careers. Non-judicial punishment is no joke in the Marine Corps. You know you don't go against your commander-in-chief, let alone your command officer. And here this man has become mm-hmm. this, this representative of a military coup taking over. I'm looking at him right now. On television, our, our sound is off, and I can't even count the rows of ribbons he has. It's obscene yeah. that he's so decorated, and yet you look at a picture of George S. Patton, and you don't come even close to that. Right. And yet one served in war, and the other just generated war. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking right now of Eddie Gallagher, who I had on my show a while back, who um, I, I don't know that he, he he's going to get his retirement benefits restored to him. Um, but he was he was stripped. He was court martialed for a photo with a dead Taliban person. It was horrible. Eddie yeah. Gallagher was basically, as Colonel Allen West has always said, we're charging people with murder who have gone to war. This is equivalent to giving the speeding ticket before you you race in the Daytona 500. It's absurd. Yeah. And those that undermine Eddie Gallagher, he's equivalent to what I was, a gunnery sergeant. And those little snivelers, snivelers that were undermining him were disgruntled troops. We've yes. all been there. And they undermined him. And I think it took it got legs, and then here he was trying to save his own career. The man was highly decorated, mm-hmm. served on the ground, put yeah. his life literally on the line, and now they don't even want to give him retirement pay. This is appalling. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and what's been done, uh, the degradation, the extent of uh, the infiltration and the destruction to the Department of Defense, which at one time was what we thought was the one uh, department that was impervious to to politics, is now frightening. There was a time in which we thought that our Second Amendment was protected because we would have a military that would step in between an overreaching government and the United States. And I don't feel confident in that anymore. Um, well, what about the freedom of speech? Same, Either that. Yeah, because same we thing. now have military members going on Twitter and going after talk show hosts like Tucker Carlson. Yeah. When Tucker Carlson merely pointed out that their commander in chief was talking about maternity uniforms when he was promoting two female generals. An absurd commentary versus yeah. the national security interests of our country and those idiots. Idiots, including the sergeant major of the Marine Corps. I had to call out on Twitter. I said, he is not talking about the. He's not talking about the women who served. You're taking, I said, he flat out is talking about the lack of national security expertise from our own commander in chief. They've all become puppets. Shame on them. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you for being here because you've got it. You've got a perspective on this that nobody else can have since uh, unless uh, only somebody who served can really understand and appreciate the the tragedy uh, that this treasonous act is. And thank you for being it's here. Horrible. It's horrible. It's beyond what you would see in a civilian world. We are held to the highest of standards and there is no monkeying around when it comes to betraying your commander in chief. That is right then. I, I mean, there was a time. No kidding. George Washington would have had him hung. Yes, absolutely. Benedict Arnold. Yep, absolutely. It's exactly what it is. And I'm glad you said it because otherwise people would say that I was crazy if I did. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here, my I'm dear. Just, Appreciate just you. I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You have a wonderful evening. Thanks, honey. And everybody take the hill. All righty. Ooh, good. Take the hill. We're going to be back. We've got more of the Andrea K. Show on the way. Did y'all hear what the Pope had to say about abortion? We're going to talk about that and more on the other side of the break. Bringing you 21st Century. 
common sense. It's the Andrea K Show. Connect with the show at ourfreenation.org. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. A little bit later in the show, we're going to be talking about the explosive Shocking uh, testimony today from a U.S. Olympic gymnast and the FBI. I learned today stuff that I had no idea of, and it literally made my blood boil about as much as uh, the breaking news of General Mark Milley. Um, But I want to take things back uh, down to Texas um, because we know that uh, the Texas uh, abortion law has been big news. And uh, today, I guess there's reports that 24 Democrat AGs filed amicus briefs in support of a Department of Justice challenge to the Texas abortion law. And the Pope is also in the news um, on this topic as well. So here to discuss is attorney C. Paul Smith, author of the book Fetal Right to Life Argument, and he joins me now. Hi, Mr. Smith. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Andrea, good to be with you. Well, thank you for being here. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, to us non-lawyers, All this lawyering stuff gets really confusing. So Texas files this lawsuit, and now we have 24 different AGs filing these amicus briefs. I don't even know what an amicus brief is, let alone what all this is going on. So catch us up on where this is at with this Texas abortion law. Well, you mentioned the Texas one. Uh, I think it's the... I mean, Texas did have a case, but there's the Mississippi case that's uh, going to be heard by the Supreme Court, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Okay. Uh, I, so, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good on the news. I think that's the issue. And, and uh, Mississippi passed a law uh, allowing the state to prohibit abortions back as early as 15 weeks after conception. And so... Uh, recently, the uh, in July, uh, Mississippi uh, filed their brief, and recently there have been some other briefs filed. So an amicus brief would be briefs by people that are interested in the outcome of that case. Well, that's confusing to me because isn't it supposed to be based on the law, not, hey, gee, I've got an interest here? I mean, you know, um, uh, that's that's confusing to me. Well, uh, I, well, I, I know, I know that, excuse me for interrupting. I know the Mississippi case is supposed to be more important than the Texas case, that the Texas case was actually had some things that are kind of hinky. Um, like, you know, an Uber driver can be held liable if they drive somebody to an abortion clinic and that the Mississippi case is really the one that's the most, uh, that puts Roe v. Wade most at risk. As a lawyer, um, you know, do you really think that, that, and when we've got, Every SCOTUS nominee is always asked about stare decisis and precedent, uh, which is is basically asking where they stand on Roe v. Wade. Do you really think, and you've author of the book, The Fetal Right to Life, do you really think that there's any chance that Roe v. Wade will ever be overturned? Uh, I think, no, not entirely, but but it's a complicated case. For example, Roe v. Wade recognized a woman's right to privacy and to control her own body. It was not an unlimited right, but I don't think that's ever going away. Um, the uh, when Mississippi uh, passed their law and when they filed a petition for cert to be heard by the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. they were asking the court to allow them to prohibit abortions back to 15 weeks. Then the news reports I read just recently were 
they are now arguing that they want Roe v. Wade overturned as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this thing, the argument is it's going to be very broad. But you know, the interesting thing though is, uh, it took the Supreme Court a year to decide to take this case. That is very unusual. It wasn't until May that the court uh, decided to take it. And to me, that's an indication that they they have an idea that they're going to do something. They're going to restrict Roe a little bit or or perhaps just expand or, or stretch back viability uh, to give the states a little more power to prohibit abortions. Um, in your book, Fetal Right to Life Argument, make your argument. Right. Oh, make my argument? Yeah. That was the... Uh, again, Roe was a very complex case, and there are some good parts uh, recognizing the woman's right to privacy. But the Supreme Court said that a fetus is not a person, and they they basically eliminated a fetal right to life. And I point out in the book that that part of the decision was terrible. There was all yeah. sorts of precedent. Virtually every state allowed it. And if the court were to say to overrule that part of Roe, it really wouldn't change things too much uh, in the sense the woman's right to privacy was never absolute anyway. The state always had the right to prohibit abortion in, after the fetus became viable. So what would happen is there would be a, a balancing that would take place and uh, and and so you have a woman's right against the fetus's right, and if the woman's right, uh, if she would be, if her life would be endangered by an abortion, then she should prevail. At least I hope that would be the case. Well, um, as a woman, I find it ridiculous that I've got the right the, that I've got the right under the guise of privacy to take the life of my unborn child, but I don't have the right to decide whether or not, as a pregnant woman, I get. Uh, jabbed with a, a, a substance that I don't want to be injected with. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are so many inconsistencies. Uh, uh, one of the things I explore in my book is is one of the rights that was interesting is the right not to be conceived that was recognized in a couple of New York cases shortly after Roe v. Wade, which was so strange that the, the woman through Roe v. Wade would have a right to, to abort the baby, but then, the, but then, uh, but the but the baby doesn't even have a right to live. In fact, can sue a doctor for not being for being conceived. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's strange. there's yeah, there's so much strange hypocrisy going on. I mean, you know, a woman's got a right to kill her kill her child, but if a husband murders his pregnant wife, like a Scott Peterson, then he can be charged with double double murder. You know, right, the, there's right. also double mindedness today. We've got the Pope coming out who says abortion is murder. But that uh, U.S. bishop shouldn't be shouldn't get all political about it. There's no need. Yeah, yeah, it's wrong and it's murder. But there's no reason to you know get in uh, the face of of any politician who's who's actually advocating uh, for the for the murder of children. Right. Well, you know, one reason I, I, I published this book. Actually, I wrote it over 30 years ago uh, as a second year law student in 1977. But I re- recently republished it and, and brought it up to date because. The Roe v. Wade and abortion issue continues to be a hot political issue, but most of the discussion about it is really kind of superficial. And, for example, they talk about overturning Roe, but 
they're not going to totally overturn it. Whatever they do, there'll be a modification here or there because, again, the woman's right to privacy is here to stay. I have no doubt. Well, except, like I said, except it, it seems as though it's it's a right to privacy is for a woman is uh, restricted in this case. And this is what I'd like the Supreme Court to hear. I'd like them to hear an argument about uh, specifically about a woman's right to privacy. Why do I have the right under the guise of privacy to take the life of my unborn child, but I don't have the right to decide I'm going to sell my kidneys on the open market? Yeah, that well, uh, that, that would be an interesting case. Would you take so, it up? <laughs> I, I want somebody to go and argue that because I've been saying that doesn't make sense. I also can't sell my corneas either. So it just seems like, yeah. it, you know, when, as I go deeper into this and give more thought to it, it just seems as though it's just a lot of a lot of uh, lawyering um, and well, a, an attorney-yearing, uh, um, uh, you know, to, uh, to twist and, and turn legalities to fit a certain narrative. Wrap us up, uh, Mr. Smith. Well, one of the, one of the things about Roe v. Wade is is it was it was the the great example of judicial activism mm-hmm. and and for the court being motivated to do what it wanted to do and disregarding proper legal analysis. And I point out in there many of the flaws of the Supreme Court when they just dispensed with their normal rules, got the result they wanted. Yep. So that that's one of the sad things about it. And and there are many problems down the road because of that. So my, my book, I think, will help someone. I mean, I am very much in favor of the fetal right to life. So some people might not like to read the book for that reason. Others will love it for that reason. But the insights I give, I think, would be helpful to anyone who wants to better understand the abortion issue. Well, I thank you for writing it, and I thank you for being here tonight. Hey, thank you, Andrea. All right. Take take, take, you take good care as well. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to get into some of the testimony today regarding the FBI and also uh, some little information about a little local uh, congressman who might be a little bit on the take from uh, uh, Pfizer. So we got more information coming on that as well. Stay tuned. Get more from the Andrea K Show at OurFreeNation.org. Just search Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. So four or five of America's uh, most celebrated and most uh, talented and most successful Olympic gymnasts, which is just one of my favorite sports to watch, in the Olympics, testified today before the uh, a congressional hearing. Uh, it was actually the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, we've known for a while, uh, Nasser, Larry Nasser, I think it faced, I don't got seven years, I don't know how many years he got. He was convicted of sexual assault on U.S. gymnast. Um, and, and I've known that the U.S. Olympic Committee and others uh, failed to protect these young women. What I did not know until today was that the FBI... When calls were made to report these crimes, the FBI not only failed to investigate, but actually covered up the crimes of Larry Nasser, a does, pedophile who was sexually assaulting young girls. Covered it up. Does the FBI actually do anything besides cover things up? All they, well, uh, the FBI exists now solely to target Americans consi- who are considered conservatives. That's clearly... That's clearly their role now to persecute and prosecute anybody with an op- opposition viewpoint to the Democrats. And I quote, 
This is from uh, Michaela Maroney. They allowed a child molester to go free for more than a year, and this inaction directly allowed Nasser's abuse to continue. What is the point of reporting abuse if our own FBI agents are going to take it upon themselves to bury that report in a drawer? After telling my entire story of abuse to the FBI in the summer of 2015, not only did the FBI not report my abuse, but when they eventually documented the report 17 months later, they made entirely false claims about what I said, and she named him today in her hearings. Then she goes on to say the Department of Justice refused to prosecute these individuals. Why? It is the Department of Justice job to hold them accountable. I am tired of waiting for people to do the right thing because my abuse was enough and we deserve justice. Um, wow. And in 2017, this happened in the Trump administration. I am, how long have I been saying that I'm sick and tired, Sean Hannity, of you and other conservatives saying it's not the rank and file, it's just a few at the top. This was rank and file. The entire FBI and the entire Justice Department of Justice are rank and foul and exist today to do the work of the communists in the, in, 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 the, in the U.S. government and to bury the crimes of the establishment elite like Hillary Clinton and to go after and target uh, the Michael Flynn's of the world, the Donald J. Trump's of the world, the American citizens who dared to peacefully rally on January 6th, the patriots. And now patriot extremism is considered terrorism in this country. We have a much bigger problem with the deep state and with the, with the communism, that's the tyranny, the totalitarianism that's going on in the U.S. government that anybody thought. And of course, Christopher Ray said today, well, at least one of these FBI agents doesn't work for the FBI anymore. I don't care. I want to prosecute it. Prosecute it. I was asked today on Newsmax, do you want to hear the Secretary of Defense come and answer questions? I said, no. Answering questions is not accountability. Even if some FBI agent was fired, that's not accountability. There should be persecution for falsifying documents to cover up the crimes of a pedophile. We have no account of the biggest problem we've got in this country. And, and I, and Donald Trump failed at this was accountability. Yes, he he didn't, did. he didn't fire anybody. He should have about it. He, sh- he, he didn't fire James Comey. He didn't fire, uh, uh, Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Sessions. He didn't fire fat dude with glasses. The AG who took over for Sessions. Didn't lock up Hillary. I don't either. even remember the, I don't even remember his name now. I'm so disgusted. The dude, who, the dude who was Attorney General, uh, Bill Barr, didn't fire him either. Nobody was fired. Nobody has faced any accountability. Nobody. They covered up the crime. You know why it was so? Yeah, and nobody's going to face any accountability for Benghazi Part Two. We had Benghazi where Amer- American citizens there was a stand down order, and Americans were under a terror a terror attack that they knew was going to happen. Didn't rescue Americans died. Not only was nobody held accountable, the survivors had to get themselves flown home on another country's jet. Nobody was held accountable. The FBI covered that up, and then they launched illegal investigations into the, into the Trump administration in a circle, and nobody was held accountable for that. Andrea, we're living in very scary times. This is really scary times. And I'm sorry if my show is dark tonight. It's truth. But it's it's truth. And there, we don't, we don't we, you know, burying our heads in the sand and acting as though, and, and people trying to put a spin on stuff doesn't going help away. us. It's not going to go away. First, you got to recognize the problem we've got. Then we got to put our heads together and figure out, okay, now what, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to take the hill, as Jesse Jane Duff said? 
We got That's where we got to continue the discussions. How are we going to take the hill? What's our plan? We're going to continue that tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Come on.